This podcast is sponsored by Xgrowth. Xgrowth is the APAC ABM agency. If you and your organization are looking to land and expand enterprise mid-market deals, Xgrowth is the agency to help. Xgrowth works with a wide range of international and global technology vendors, service providers, and B2B SaaS companies. If this sounds like some of your interests to know more about, make sure to check out Xgrowth at xgrowth.com.au. That's xgrowth.com.au and chat with the APAC ABM agency. What's up, marketers, and welcome to another episode of the Growth Colony Podcast. I'm Liza from Xgrowth to tell you that each episode we bring in B2B leaders to chat about how you can achieve those everyday wins in the marketing world. Whether you're new to the B2B game, working at a leadership level, or even just showing some interest, we know you'll love the episode. So grab a drink, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shaheen Hoda with X Growth. And today I'm talking to Bronwyn Karaglu, Global VP of Marketing at Ignition, about how should you, as marketers, approach and talk to your CFOs in 2023. This year is proving to be a challenging one, especially for marketers in the tech space with the layoffs and tighter budgets and everything that's happening. And it's during these times that your relationship with your CFO is going to be tested. That's why I'm super looking forward to this conversation and exploring the topic with Bronwyn. Bronwyn, thanks a lot for jumping on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Shane. It's really good to be here. No, super excited. (laughs) Yeah, it's super exciting to be here. You're right. It's a a tough market out there, but... um, you know, very confident that marketers can have a really great relationship with their CFOs and uh, navigate this interesting time. It's dark times, dark times. And, mm-hmm. you know, they say, they don't want to be too dark. They say is there's always light at the end of the tunnel or it's always darkest before it goes completely pitch dark. Um, <laughs> so you could, t- you could take that two ways, but mm. I want to start dive, dive into the topic, right? And I want to, I want to know, in your opinion, what are the main areas marketers need to think about when it comes to finance? Mm. You know, well, so it's really important that you need to understand the finance, like the financial metrics ultimately that make a great business or your business a success. And there's no one better to be able to help you do that than your CFO or your CEO um, and help you navigate through those. So in fact, you know, all great businesses are actually looking at these metrics on a monthly, if not a daily basis. So, you know, that that should be top priority if you don't have that within your business right now to to get that um, up and running in a dashboard of some sort. For our business being a software and payments platform for professional services, businesses, um, so we focus on metrics um, across both, you know, the top of funnel, um, adoption, SaaS expansion, and retention, but you know very much on the metrics that see us extend through the value chain as well, like payment revenue, payment attach rates, and revenue under management. And so, you know, marketers actually really need to be able to attribute the dollars, both in program and people, <laughs> 
and how that ladders up to the revenue of the business. So, you know, that's really key. And, um, you know, a misconception oftentimes is that, you know, and super interesting from employees in many sort of tech businesses is that, you know, the business operates in technology is like profitable, right? Like, oh, we should be profitable right about now. And, you know, the reality is any sort of venture-backed business that hasn't gone public or has been sold, you know, is probably not profitable <laughs> and still growing. So that's also super important to keep in mind, right? And so the key there is then to grow sustainably. And I think that's the that's the, the holy grail this year, right? It's like the, the jury's out, especially with, you know, all of the, the uncertainty in markets right now. It's like, how do you grow sustainably? And so, you know, there's fundamental principles I suppose. <laughs> Sorry if I'm going. I like. I love this topic. <laughs> no, this is great. This is good stuff. I'm. I'm all ears. <laughs> so, you know, they're fundamental pr- principles that mean, you know, the business is sustainable. So, if you think about it in marketing, it's all about the cost of acquisition of a new customer, which is a combination of the program spend, the people cost, essentially, which is both sales and marketing. And and that's divided by then the number of new customers that have been acquired. So that's like an an absolute metric you have to keep on top of, right? And now that cost needs to be sustainable. So you'll hear like terms like payback, for example. Many marketers will will talk about that or the businesses might talk about that. And as marketers in B2B, you should know all about that because that's all about sustainability. So, you know, payback is really how long in the number of months You'll be able to pay back that customer based on what you've spent. And if you're doing anything between 12 and 18 months, you are good. If you do lower than 12 months, you're in a very good place because that essentially means that you're super sustainable. So, yeah, these are some of the metrics that obviously we look at. LTV to CAC is another one that a lot of marketers will, you know, refer to. That's really great because essentially it's telling you, how many times your um, lifetime value of the customer, you know, you've got in, re- in relative to your cost, right? So your cost um, should be, you know, much, much lower essentially to the, the lifetime value. And if you've got anything over three, that's good, I suppose. But um, where you want to like end up, you know, is sort of five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You know, some businesses are 13 LTV to CAC. And so a lot of marketers will be like, oh, I'm just aiming for three to one. Nope. <laughs> Sustainable That's a minimum. That's a minimum. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you, you can see I can go on and on about that sort of stuff. No, this is really good. And, and Brahman, what are your thoughts on, you know, one of the things that has helped me dramatically increase my business understanding was yeah. a simple accounting course. Like I, I when I was, was doing MBA, there was the accounting course that I took, and I think that was the most valuable course that I did. And it gave me a very clear understanding of the business numbers. And I feel like yeah. people, marketers don't need to do an MBA. If you do a simple accounting course, just going to open up your horizons and open up your understanding of the business drastically. What are your thoughts of like understanding accounting as a, you know, obviously not going in detail, you don't need to become an accountant and do your, you know, do yours and your family taxes and all that stuff. But yeah, exactly. What are are your thoughts on that? 
Oh, oh my gosh. I, look, it's so interesting because when I was doing my business course and, you know, uh, my BCom in, in marketing management all those years ago, <laughs> don't want to say how old I am. I, I remember doing accounting, right, for two for two years and thinking, what the hell has this got to do with marketing? Like, please, what is this? <laughs> and I hated it. You know, it's so interesting because now I, I really embrace working so closely on the finances. But I remember just thinking, oh, my gosh, like, what am I doing here? Like, why do I need to know about, you know, debits and credits and all of these parts of the, the accounting, you know, principles and I realize now that it's actually fundamental. Like if you, uh, you know, as a marketing leader, head of marketing, VP marketing, whatever you might be, if you're not attuned with that whole system, yeah, I would definitely say an accounting course would be a great step in the right direction. I mean, I've been really lucky though, because I think, you know, there's, there's one thing about sort of learning about the principles. And then I think it's about learning from people that apply the principles on a day-to-day basis. And I've been so lucky in my career because you know I've learned from you know CEOs and CFOs you know along the way that have you know really distilled down the PL you know what they look at the why behind the numbers and and the the metrics and so I think that's if you can partner up with your CFO or you know, your financial controller or somebody that will be able to, or your CEO, somebody that will be able to distill it down for you, that is also worth more than, you know, it's worth gold. <laughs> Do the foundations through a course and then partner with with a, with a a someone who owns the finances and tell them to explain to you. I love that. I love mm. that. That's I think yeah. if, if we send that message, I think we're pretty much done for the podcast. That message is valuable enough to go, sell. <laughs> um, exactly. But yeah. I will not let you go that easily. Oh, um, so uh, the, the <laughs> other question that I wanted to ask, I, I'd love to get a bit of an insight in terms of how you go, how you go about with your budgeting, right? Having a VP role, a global role. How, do you, how are you approaching budgeting, especially for 2023? Well, 2023 budget is done and dusted. So, you know, this was set well in advance. We had our board meeting in January and it was approved. So the plan was approved. But to get there, there was quite a few components and pieces. I mean, if like I've alluded to before, you know, the flavor is not growing at all costs. So it's, it's very much about sustainable growth and taking your data um, and having that inform your strategy and to have a very clear and crisp approach to how you're going to experiment, what you do in circumstances where things might not be going to plan as well. So your budget absolutely needs to align with, you know, your programs and they need to, you need to be able to attribute your programs to revenue and the spend. So, you know, if you haven't done that part of the work, it's really important that you do. I hear, you know, every marketing leader out there, (laughs) you know, sigh, you know, inherently around this uh, attribution issue, because obviously, you know, there is, it's hard to attribute the revenue, right? But you need to have an approach. 
Uh, the way that I've done that at Ignition is, and, and really I want to shout out to my amazing revenue ops um, manager, Ennis, because I could not live without her. But we have a campaigns view, essentially, and that's how we have attributed all of our programs. So every channel has a campaign. It gives us a way to attribute attribute the integratedness of campaigns, and but also the always on channels and the way that that in a way that that is meaningful. And, you know, we did a, a big exercise last year whereby we um, aligned the budget and our GLs. So uh, this is just codes within the budget um, by the programs that we were going to run so that we can really effectively track that month over month. And we have a very close eye on program CAC overall, so which is program um, spend divided by the number of customers. And we have a sort of rolling CAC view in terms of that so that we can keep a really close, close eye on that. And, you know, these are the conversations that I need to then bubble up to my CFO around how we're spending and how we're doing and how we're tracking. For those who might not be familiar, can you explain rolling CAC? Yeah, so um, this is just taking a rolling average of your uh, spend as an example. So we do a rolling program CAC, which is basically just looking at program costs. And so that's the rolling spend, total spend of marketing spend. And we divide that by the number of customers. And we've actually been able to break that down by program as well. So then I have, uh, you know, accountable people within my team that are looking at that very, very closely. So we can keep a very close eye on that as I've got, you know, a global team, multi-markets to look after. How do you decide what programs slash campaigns slash channels get what budget? Well, it's um, it's based off 2022's results and our anticipated programs that we want to run, right? So there are conversion rates all the way through the funnel that help us um, identify where we're going to land from a new customer perspective what we need to spend. And then we've had to stress test that against the program CAC and whether that makes sense from a sustain, sustainable growth perspective. And that's how it's been developed for this year. A lot of what we're doing this year is less experimental, is more scaling and optimization. So, right. yeah. Got it, got it, got it. So look at look at what's happened last year, understand the CACs and, and you know, the kind of customers that came through. And then yes. this year has been, so, yeah. okay, got it. That. Yeah. And conversion rates all the way through the funnel, right? Because, you know, depending on what your motion is, maybe you're a PLG motion, maybe you've got a sales team. In my case, I've got both. So really, it's also working with the rest of the business on, you know, their effective programs and what they could move in terms of those conversion rates. That also changes um, how much you can spend within these parameters. So for example, if your product team is working on expansion strategies that are going to increase your average revenue per account, then you can potentially be spending more depending on where these sort of programs come into play. So yeah, it's, it's definitely not just just a marketing built budget, essentially, it's multifunctional. And at the end of the day, how you come to the, you know, to the, to the table with the rest of your executive team is to, to have the, the status quo, present the plan and see how you can then adjust to, to grow more. <laughs> yeah. Ron, when you talked about attribution, right. Mm-hmm. And how it's really challenging to attribute stuff. Mm-hmm. And you do that 
through programs and looking at it more holistically. Can you unpack that a little bit more? Yeah, every market is just going shuddering. Yes, that's <laughs> that word. <laughs> I know the word. We shudder at the word. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I used to have like a very, very strong opinion on how we should attribute. And that's so has changed over the years. Like it's changed a lot. So I think I'll just say a caveat to say that every approach should suit your business. So for example, we are high velocity sales. We look at a first touch approach. We have a rewrite every 12 months because we don't consider you know, channels prior to that. So if you are, say, for example, if you have 13 months ago come through and let's say a campaign um, that was, or, or, you know, a webinar campaign, we will rewrite you at this point in time because we want to make sure that we spend next year effectively. These are the, some of the trade-offs and approaches that you can work with your CEO and CFO on that will suit your business. But like, for example, I absolutely would not suggest that as an approach for enterprise. Enterprise is multi-touch points and you are absolutely going to need to approach there that matches your sales motion and velocity, right? So our high velocity sales motion, this is what works for us. It's based on first touch. We have influence of partners and other sort of teams that we look at very closely. But if I look at dollars to output, it's all to do with that um, approach that we have agreed at an executive level um, in terms of that um, attribution. So it's not a, you know, it's, you know, your first touch in 2014 was, you know, I don't know, direct mail or whatever it might be. We don't consider that as anything at this point in time. And that's the approach that I've taken. And that's what works for our business. But I don't think there's a one, one approach fits all. Yeah, right. Interesting. So at every 12 months, refresh that and then just go through the database and any new contacts that are required. Yeah. Boom. And if, yeah. if nothing happens with those in 12 months time, same thing. Correct. And that's, I mean, it's a small portion of, of our, you know, database. We have a huge runway, especially in North, North America, you know, like 92%, let's say more sometimes, most of the time are brand new to ignition. Anyway, so this is a, but I assume over time it's going to change. <laughs> but yeah, how do you, how do you here. approach from a headcan perspective, right? If you wanted mm-hmm. to, and and I know this is now tricky right now because a lot of a lot of tech companies there are a lot of layoffs and um, mm-hmm. businesses are becoming more efficient and so on and so forth. But if you were to add a new member to your team. Yeah. How do you go about justifying that? You know, it, this is tough. This is very, very tough in the current environment. Ignition, we had to make some really tough calls in the last couple of months too, looking at each of our regions, being really clear about what we, you know, our unit economics, our overarching business outlook, you know, and how we're going to succeed and, and obviously make sure that we're set up for a really bright future. And, you know, of course, part of that is now, okay, so now how do you build, how do you put forward these business cases for new headcount if if they're required, right? For me, it's really about how do you tie that back into 
the program and the ROI you have to. I think this year it's critical. The trick is, in my my view, is, and perhaps Mark Bartles, my CFO, might be like, maybe not. I don't know. But in any case, the trick is, in my view, is that you got to think like they do, right, in this environment, which is that means financially it needs to make sense. It needs to make undoubted sense to hire, essentially. And so that the benefits have to absolutely outweigh the costs, you know, uh, and substantially. So I always bring in alternative views. So if you are going to go together, you know, towards to your CFO, your CEO, you want to put forward a new headcount, I always bring in a balanced view. It's really, really important that you do there. So there are always other options, agencies, vendors, and that cost can oftentimes be more expensive than hiring but you know you've also got to come into to the view of yes but potentially long term you know you haven't really you know ensured that you are not experimenting and that this is actually something that you want long term so if you want to experiment potentially you've got to think about these external agencies and vendors and things like that and you need to bring that balanced view to your CEO and CFO to identify whether that's the right way forward. And so, yeah, it's a little bit of longevity, ROI, business case, and then options. And so that there's a balanced view, you can have the conversation, and then you agree and you commit or you disagree and you commit, but you go forward. Interesting. I really like the, the you know, approaching it from different options, bringing multiple different perspectives to the equation and to yes. the conversation to, um, to, to get a better understanding. What are some of the skills that you've developed over time uh-huh. that have allowed you to have these financial conversations with your CFO? We touched on some of these, but I'd, I'd love to explore if there's more. I'd love to explore further. Yeah. So I, like, you know, I've said I've had some really, you know, in my career I've had and in my um degree I've had opportunities to learn about accounting and all sorts of things like that I've had some amazing mentors along the way you know and that includes CEOs and CFOs um, along the way so to really um, understand what makes a business tick essentially and I'm still learning just FYI (laughs) in case anybody thinks that I'm some um, expert I'm not so but I think one of the, the the most important observations that I've had is that you know and something that I would have told my younger self is you know, you need to understand the role of the CFO. You need to understand the role of the CEO. You actually don't need to understand that your role as much as you need to understand their role at the end of the day to get these skills. So, so for example, there's also an understanding of the different stages of like the role of the CFO, for example. So, you know, if you're thinking about them, you're thinking about, oh, they just pr- provide financials of the business. Nope. They're reporting to the board. They're the storyteller of the business. They are talking about sales. You have to engage with them to help them with that storytelling piece. They're thinking about raising capital potentially. And they're thinking about, you know, all of the, the metrics that move throughout the funnel. They're thinking about expansion. They're thinking about retention. They're thinking about the whole business, right? And I think that was a penny drop moment for me, probably in my 20s. Um, and I wish I'd like told myself that earlier, like get a really good understanding of what it is that makes these roles tick. Because, you know, if you have a good understanding, then you can help them and you'll be more effective as a result. So 
understand the CFO role. That's my advice. And what are the other things that sort of helped me? I would say, you know, I sort of took the Amazon approach um, to, you know, focus on the input metrics rather than the output metrics. So that was also fundamental in terms of my, my thinking. And that was, you know, really what are the metrics that you can move that will get your company to these output metrics that they want? You, the output metrics might be, for example, new customers and input metrics at a high level marketing is high intent leads and qualified opportunities and things like that. But more than that, how does everybody in your team, you know, contribute to an input metric that will get you to those output metrics for the business? Same with retention, same with expansion. Yeah, Shane, that's probably... Those are great points. I mean, you know, having input versus output mentality and and having control, kind of the, the accounting courses and then having great mentors and putting yourself in the shoes of, of a CFO. Very, yes. very valuable. I have some rapid fire questions that I want to ask you before we dive into that. Mm. Is there anything else that maybe I haven't asked that you think it's important for us to cover? I feel like you've really covered it. <laughs> okay. All right. That's good. Like that's good. I've done my job. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, that's excellent. Have you read the State of ABM and APAC report yet? If you have, you'll know that 59% of marketing leaders are intending to increase their ABM investment in the coming year. Even bigger news is 0% of survey respondents are going to decrease their investment. It's an exciting time for ABM in the region. Discover the state of account-based marketing in APAC today. Download the full report at abm.xgrowth.com.au forward slash report. That's abm.xgrowth.com.au forward slash report. All right, let's let's do some rapid fire questions, okay? So the first thing is, what is one resource? It could be a book, a blog, a podcast, whatever it is, that has had has had a profound impact on the way you work or live. Yeah. So Morning Brew, which is a, a <laughs> blog, which I absolutely love because it's got this raw intellectual humor, and then kind of gives you that full overview of basically the US. So like I've been very focused on international marketing for a long time and I need to have a really good grasp on the US. It's always been that way. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great blog. And, you know, for me, I I wake up in the morning, I read this, I get a good understanding. It's kind of like it really, you know, it's humorous. Like I enjoy it and that's changed my life. Yeah. So I would say that's that's one. Morning Brew. Yes. Sign up to Morning (laughs) Brew. Um, Yeah. Awesome. If you could get one advice to B2B marketers, what would it be? You need a network. You need a network of people. Basically, Rome was not built, you know, alone, <laughs> just in case anybody was thinking it was one Roman. <laughs> and I think that's 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 such a key learning for all of us marketers is we're not the first ones to, to solve the problem. Like, even though it feels like you're the first one, you're definitely not. And so having the network of people that you can take for a coffee and swap notes on, like, I think that's that's the biggest piece of advice 100 percent people teamwork yeah makes the dream work (laughs) i love it i love it who are some of the influencers in the in the marketing space that you follow you know like i'm gonna sound so bad because i don't follow a lot of influencers like i think that there are so many great marketers out there that 
influence me <laughs> you know like there they, I've yeah I, I've, I've got a big network of other marketers and other marketing leaders that I follow and they influence me but you know if I have to think about an influencer that has thought made me think about the go-to-market in a really different way and that inspires me it's um it's Dave Juan who is from Tidemark and he's a partner so it's all VC, but you know, at the end of the day, I think he's brilliant. He's worked with all of these great businesses like Toast, for example, and he writes these amazing theses on how to extend through the value tra- chain. And you know, yeah, he, he totally inspires me, Dave Kwan. Mm-hmm. Such a smart guy. <laughs> all right, now that's that's awesome. I'll, I'll definitely um, check him out. And it's Dave Kwan from from where? Where? What was that? Tidemark. Yeah, his the, the Tidemark. Yeah. I uh, yeah, I haven't I haven't come across and i'll definitely check him out all right yeah, check him out yeah he's he's so interesting and uh yeah so, last yeah. question last okay. question is what's something that excites you about b2b today b2b marketing or b2b b2b let's talk b2b overall you know what's exciting about b2b i think i'm more excited by the b2b like small business space if i must be honest because i think Technology is completely democratizing the way that these small businesses are able to to engage. They don't even need these huge teams to compete, right? It's just that that excites me a lot. But this is, you know, not not B two B in an overview. Gosh, I I don't know. I think it's more in that space. Just just technology, I suppose, and just the the way that we are starting to, you know, utilize these new technologies to to elevate these businesses. So you've got more time to do other things, which always means there's more growth and more opportunity. I love mm-hmm. it. <laughs> Bronwyn, this has been an awesome conversation. Thank you. I'm I great. took away some great points and also there were some great reminders. I love the input metric, output metric, Amazon conversation that we that, that you brought up, but also a lot of other insights that you've talked about. And I'm sure a lot of people, especially at this time in the kind of environment we're in, are going to get a lot of benefits. So really appreciate you coming on the podcast and your time. And, uh, and thank you so much for all the insights. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Today's episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell and Liza Maywald. It was edited by Dave Semedo with additional editing by Liza Maywell and music arrangement by Alexander and Liza. Special thanks to Tina Wabe. We couldn't make the show without you. Growth Colony is hosted by Shaheen Hoda, Director of Growth at Xgrowth. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Do you think you'd be a great guest or just keen for a chat? Send through an email at podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's all for now. We'll catch you next week right here on Growth Colony. <laughs>